Well, good morning and welcome in to MCC. Whether you're hanging out with us here in person or you're joining us online, it is awesome to be with you today. For those of you who would take some time out of your weekend to find a way to gather together, to be able to say, hey, I believe that there may be a God out there, and if there is a God out there, I want to learn some more about him. If there is a Jesus out there, I want to learn some more about him because this thing that is called life, guys, it's a little crazy, isn't it? Yeah, raise your hand if you ever needed help. Yep, that's all of us. There we go, there we go. Even the people who needed help raising their hand, a little elbow to the guttural. Hey, today we're getting ready to start a series called uh, Due to Unforeseen Circumstances. Okay, before we dive into that, I want to I circle back on one thing that I talked about last week and, and push towards an action step for some of you. So as you know, and you guys gave us a little bit of a standing ovation, and, and for some of you online, this is a thing that you've been waiting for to be able to find your way back in here. September 27th, we are going to be opening back up our children's ministry. So September 27th, we're going to open that back up again. Okay, it's going to be awesome. Can't wait. It's going to be great. But here's the deal. Um, as many of you know, COVID-19 has been something that has in a disproportionate way aff affected those who are 60 plus. And so what we're doing in, in that ministry, for anybody who's, who is currently 65 or older who's serving in children's ministry, which we have some amazing older saints of God who serve in children's ministry and what we're doing for those people is we're asking we're trying to like put some guardrails up in their life and protect them from being able to serve in that area and so we're asking them to serve in a different way uh, whether that's calling students being able to help more behind the scenes but not be in the classroom and so because of that there is a greater need for people to step up and plug in those holes now again I'm just going to cut you straight cut right to it the fastest way for a church to stop growing, to stop existing, and to suffer a slow death is to stop growing young. For there to no longer be young families who find their way in, for there no, the, the generations that we just sang about, if we're going to see God's favor come from generation to generation, the current generation has to go, I'm willing to stand up and stand in a gap and serve the next generation so that the faith can actually be passed down. And so because of that, we need some more volunteers in that area people to be able to pass down Jesus, to be able to teach kids about Jesus on their age and on their level. We're looking at about a, a once a month contribution of your time. For now, children's ministry is just going to be open up during the 11 o'clock hour. And so what I want you to do, if that's you and you're like, yes, this is my season. I want to find my new way to serve. I'm going to do what I can to continue to allow MCC to be a church that's growing and reaching the young families, the families in our community. Then text 770-540-1555 or after church, you can go see Rachel. Rachel, wave at everybody so that they can see you. Yes, the mask marauder back there, uh, Rachel. Uh, she would love to be able to hang out with you guys today. Um, one of the things I love about children's ministry is the place where life change happens. Uh, earlier at the first service, I actually was walking a, a father and a daughter upstairs to our baptistry up there so she could get a, she's a little scared of being baptized, um, but that's a huge moment in her life. And I was able to walk her up there and show her that to be able to alleviate some of that fear and what I want you to say, and you may not realize this, but when you give and when you're generous, it's as if you are paving those steps. It's like you're putting those steps in place so that somebody is able to cross over in that line. And so every dollar that's given, every amount of, of time, energy, and effort that's given, when we give, when we pour out and live open-handed lives, God uses that to do miraculous things. So if you're watching online, you want to partner with us in generosity, there's a link there. If you're here in person, obviously there's those three deposit boxes back in the back. And I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for the way you guys give, love, and serve. I really do the best is yet to come because of how generous and sacrificial you are. I'm going to pray. 
And we're going to dive into this message. Y'all ready? Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we've been able to gather together to hear your word. Father, in a room this size, there's people coming in with all sorts of different things going on in their life. I know, Father, I know without a shadow of doubt that I don't have what it takes on my own to be able to speak in a way that will help them find you. So I pray that you would use my words, you would use your word to be able to meet them where they're at, God. Whether they came in as a frustrated cynic looking for hope, pretty much believing this is always just a made-up hoax anyway, and coming in to disprove things, I pray you meet them where they are. If they're desperate, God, I pray you meet them where they are. God, if they came in just kind of going through the motions, just called in a habit, I pray they have an encounter, that you would interrupt their daily, regularly scheduled program and show them who you really are. In your name, amen. So today... We're starting this series called Due to Unforeseen Circumstances. And that's kind of been this recurring phrase that we've been hearing all throughout this season. And some of you have got some really unfortunate emails, and that's been the first line of the thing. Due to unforeseen circumstances, all of school this year is going to be online. Now, some of you, you got a really, like, light at the end of the tunnel this week, and you're like, yes, the unforeseen circumstance of e-learning is about to be over. And you rejoiced in your home as most of the public schools here decided that, hey, we're going to adapt and shift and go a different way but all of us we've been experiencing this these unforeseen circumstances of of, of wearing masks everywhere we go of of worrying about elderly family members and our own family members and and doing church online and and trying to figure out how does it look like to be a digital disciple we've been going through all these things and i think in the midst of that unforeseen circumstance oftentimes we just associate unforeseen circumstance as this really negative thing But what I want to show you today, and as we walk through this for the next four weeks, is that Jesus, many times throughout the gospel, he was an unforeseen circumstance. And he changed lives as he went through those. It's because of an unforeseen circumstance that a teenage girl gave birth to the Savior of the world. An unforeseen circumstance led an up-and-coming young fisherman to turn the family business beside and say, I'm going to follow this Jesus guy. An unforeseen circumstance led a man who hung on the cross as a criminal. And due to an unforeseen circumstance, he is now in paradise. And so my thing is that maybe we don't need to fear unforeseen circumstances. Maybe we need to see who really is behind some of the great life-changing ones and that we can come to him today and see what he truly has for us. The passage and the unforeseen circumstance that we're going to find ourselves in today is Mark chapter 4. If you got a Bible, go to Mark chapter 4 with me. We're going to read through this and then we're going to go back And we're going to do what I know some of you, so many of you like to do. You like to read it, and then you go through, and we're going to go through this thing with a fine-tooth comb and see what God's Word has for us today. My hope is that you learn something, but you don't just learn something that goes to your head, but you learn something that goes to your heart, that changes what you do with your hands, your feet, your words, and your life. Mark chapter 4. Everybody there? If you're not there, say, whoa, okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, while they're turning there, if you're watching online, I want you to know uh, that we love you and we miss you. And also, if you're watching online, if you're in there and with person, you have kids, uh, just FYI, today we're doing three colors. Okay, so Trent, three things, three colors. All right, get a big prize if you can guess. Or you can get all three. I'm going to probably say them. Who knows what's going to happen? Let's go in. If you're not at Mark chapter four by now, geez Louise, like, I'm praying for you. Here we go. There's an index in that thing. It's on the screen, or one of them. 
Ah, ha, 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 ha. Just kidding. It's not going to be on the screen, actually. I didn't, I didn't tell them to. I lied. Forgive me. Let's read the Bible, guys. Chill out. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no and they were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? All right? Everybody got your number two pencils ready? Dive into this? Figure out how to make it through a storm? First thing I want you to see here in this story, as it starts out, in verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, If you're going to underline something, underline he said. All right, now this is critical. If you're going to understand how storm works and how we get through storms, you've got to first and foremost understand that sometimes you will be obeying Jesus and you will head directly into something unfortunate. All right? If the love of God proves nothing to us, it should say, hey, there will be times when this may turn out to not be rainbows and unicorns. And what I love about this verse is it shows us that. Jesus has just got through teaching. He's basically spent the whole day teaching and preaching to crowds. He's been healing people, serving people, raising people up. He's been doing all sorts of amazing things. And he gets through spending a whole day here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And likely he was in a boat with some, maybe some other boats around him. And then he's teaching as people are up on the hill and doing these things. And he is just preaching his guts out to the people who are there. And then he says, hey, let's go to the other side. And man, as I read that this week, those words, let's go to the other side, they jumped off the page at me. And, and, I, and I think they jumped off the page on me because I have this burden, because I've been saying, God, when are we going to get to the other side of this? For what feels like six months, what feels like six years. And that's kind of been us. We've got these unforeseen circumstance emails. We've been going, God, when are we going to get to the other side of coronavirus? When are we going to get to the other side of this election? When are we going to get to the other side of this season? When are we going to get to the other side of this? And those are some of just the ones that we're all kind of feeling. But the reality is, you have your other side. So what, what is that thing for you? What is that thing that you, in this season of life, you are desperate to get to the other side of? What is it? That's a big question I want to ask you today. What are you wanting to get to the other side of? For some of you, it's getting to the other side of singleness. For some of you, it's, it's I, I want to get to the other side of infertility. We want a child. We want another person in our family. We want to, to, to not have to tiptoe around these questions. Some of you, it's I want to get to the other side of my body. And that I want it to look like this. I want to get to this other side of my health. I want to get to the other side of my weight loss. For some of you, it's I want to get to the other side of this marriage funk that we're in. I want to get to the other side of unemployment. There's all these things that we go through seasons of life, and we're just like, if I could just get to the other side of this, things would be different. 
and things will be okay. Now, what I want you to understand from the get-go here is Jesus wants to go with you to the other side. It was his idea. He said, let us go to the other side. But you've got to figure out what your other side is. Okay? You got that in your head? All right, come on. Let's keep going. Let's go to the other side. Mark 4, 36. says they left the crowd behind. It's an important step on going to the other side. And they took him along. I want you to underline these, these, these four words. Just as he was. Just as he was. Come back to that. In the boat. And there were also some other boats with him. So just as he was. When you hear those words, and again, as I was praying through this passage, that's one of the things that jumped out on the page to me. Just as he was. We always sing that song, just as I am. I don't think it goes like that quite, but I tried. Not a singer. That's why I hired Corey. Um, but maybe you ask, maybe, maybe you see that, or you hear somebody ask, okay, uh, just how was he? And we can get these pictures because we've watched too many ABC versions of Jesus or NBC versions of Jesus. And we can get these pictures that, that he's this guy standing out on the hull of the boat. And he's just preaching and his, and his white robe is just flapping in the wind. And all of his majestic hair that I wish I had is just blowing. And like the wind's not blowing on anybody else but Jesus. And he's just standing there and he's preaching a sermon a hundred times better than the one I'm preaching. But here's the deal. Once Jesus finished doing what he was doing, and again, I guarantee it was an amazing sermon. That's why people from all over the region came and sat on the hillside to listen at hours on end to his messages. But when he finished, just how he was, was a frustrated and exhausted man. See, oftentimes when we think about Jesus, we fail to realize that he was also 100% man and 100% God. And in this moment, we are seeing on full display a completely exhausted Jesus. And that's his humanity on full display. And they're in the boat with the other people. Mark 4, 37. Story goes on. They get in. They start to go to the other side. 4, 37. It says a furious squall. A squall is like a hurricane, big storm, big storm, squall. We don't usually talk about that a whole lot in our language, but squall, furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, what I want you to know, they are on the Sea of Galilee. So they're hanging out in Capernaum. Sea of Galilee, kind of imagine like a T-bone steak. I know my hand doesn't look like a T-bone steak, but imagine a T-bone steak, a little bit wider at the top, and then as it goes down, it narrows out at the bottom. Anybody else getting hungry? Mmm, T-bone steak. Um, you can go get one from Waffle House. They're more, they're, they're not as expensive. They're gross, though. Um, But they're in Capernaum, okay? So they're at the top of the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is longer from top to bottom than it is from east to west, okay? And so he says, let's go to the other side. He's talking about a 13-mile journey instead of an 8-mile journey, all right? Now, I want you to understand something here. The majority of Jesus' disciples had what profession? Not a trick question. You know this. They were fishermen, right? Okay? Now, what was Jesus' profession? Or like, like what did he do? He was a carpenter, Okay? Now, you got to understand, too, they are around the Sea of Galilee. That's where the majority of his disciples are from. So when Jesus, on this sea, which is really just a giant, giant, giant lake, when he says in the evening time, hey, let's go on a 13-mile sailboat cruise, the fishermen are going, bro, you're crazy. Because they know what happens on this sea at night. 
One of the things you need to know about the Sea of Galilee, it, it was actually sunk down in around these mountains, Mount Hermon, Mount, Mount Tabor, all these mountains were kind of around this. And what would happen is the cold air would rush down off these mountains. And this, uh, the sea, was actually really low elevation. It was really below the sea level. And so it would get a lot of the hot air. When the cold air meets the hot air, what happens? Storms, all right? And these guys knew that. And that's why I imagine, even though it's not voiced in the text, there is doubt on the dock. And they're going, Jesus, he's crazy. He's tripping. He's just going to get on the boat. We're going to have to row, row, row our boats all the way across the sea. And doggone it, there's going to be storms. I don't know if you've ever been like that. Where Jesus tells you to do something. And you feel like, Jesus, I know better than you. Jesus, I know them better than you. And they're not going to accept this forgiveness. Jesus, I, I, I know my job better than you. And they're not going to give me this raise of passage. Jesus, I, I know better than you. We've been there. So it comes up, and what, what I want you to see, I'm going to play around with some Greek words here. If you see in your Bible where it says a furious squall, now this is cool. As I was studying a little bit in the Greek, I'm sorry if I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit here. But the word for furious is actually the word mega. So a mega storm shows up. And it's a storm that these guys, again, fishermen, guys who have lived their lives on the water, on this very sea, a storm that they were not prepared for, that they weren't expecting. This is what comes up, and it breaks over the boat, and they are nearly swamped. Now I want you to understand some storm principles 101 here and you got to get these this is part of following christ it's not just a water thing this is a life thing there are things if we're going to get to the other side one of the things about getting to the other side that we've got to understand is that more often than not you cannot cross over from where you are now to what jesus wants to take you to without going through conflict. With every crossover, with every great crossover, with every great transformation, with every great uh, zero to hero story, with every one of those, with every crossover is conflict. Because you're leaving the comfort zone. You're leaving Capernaum and heading to a place that is different. Now, what I want you to understand here is that when you, and you've experienced this, and, and we're so silly to not expect it to be any different. When you in your life say, my obedience to Jesus has now become a priority that even though my professionalism and my expertise says, Jesus, what you're asking me to do is a bad idea. When I make obeying Jesus a priority, what then happens is you become the devil's priority because he has now seen something that is amazing. He has seen a faith in you that does not make sense. And nothing, nothing terrifies Satan more than a faith that goes beyond reason. That's the reason that, that Satan rebelled from, from heaven. He could not understand and fathom why a loving and perfect and perfect God would look down at you and me and go, I'm going to send my son to them. He goes, no, no, heaven forbid, literally heaven forbid that we would love them in a way that would cost us our best. And so he rebelled. And he cannot, he cannot fathom a love that would do something that doesn't make sense. And so he rebelled from heaven because of that reason. And when he sees you obeying commands from heaven that don't make sense and prioritizing God's will over your way, you become a priority to the enemy. And he sends a storm. And some of you, you got to understand that the storm that you're facing, Jesus may have led you in it, but Jesus is not the one who caused it. He allowed you to go through it. And he may have sent you into it. But he's not the one who caused it. 
some of us, we caused it. Let's just be honest. Like, it wasn't even the devil. Like, we just, we just did it. And so in the midst of this, we understand these it's really critical storm principles. The story goes on in verse 38. They're in the midst of the storm. They're being swamped. Water is finding its way over the boat. Verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern. The stern's back of the boat. And what they would do in these boats is they were, they were long, they were narrow. Most of the time they had uh, three places on each side where guys could row. And so they're rowing, they're hard out, tension is going crazy. And in the back of the boat, there was usually this plank platform built where you could stack stuff, supplies, everything else. Jesus is on that, and it says he is sleeping on a pillow. Now, you may, you know, glance over that and be like, oh, cool, Jesus is, you know, he's got a pillow. Did it say live, laugh, love on it? Like, what was, was it Fabergé? Like, what was going on with that pillow? Here's the deal. Here's why this pillow gets mentioned. This story of the storm is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and all the synoptic gospels. What's missing in all of those guys' stories, this is why I gave it to you out of Mark, in Matthew and Luke, no pillow. You know why there's a pillow in Mark? It's because Mark is getting this as an eyewitness account from Peter, who was in the boat. This is where the, the reliability and, and the authenticity of Scripture is on display, because you don't add in that Jesus was sleeping on a pillow unless you were there and you really saw him sleeping on a pillow. So we don't just have these made-up God stories. We have true eyewitness details when we see these things. So he's sleeping there on a cushion, which, again, speaks to the reality that he was human. Hebrews says that we don't have a high priest who cannot reconcile with us and who cannot relate to us because we have a high priest who suffered in every way that we did, even exhaustion. I want you to see why, how somebody could sleep through this, which, let me, quick question here. For those who are watching online, maybe you're watching in person, we'll do it in person here and online too. Hey, if you're a heavy sleeper, uh, write that in the comments. Any heavy sleepers in the room? Heavy sleepers? Okay, yeah. You're, you snore too, probably. Um, light sleepers, and where are my light sleepers at like me? Yes, yeah. I, I think I hear stuff and I wake up, right? Like dreams, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So here we have Jesus, heavy sleeping through a hurricane. He's got on a pillow while his boys are getting pulverized by the waves. And disciples go to him and listen to what they say. Disciples woke him up and they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now what's, what's fascinating here is what you see happening is the same doubts that they had on the dock are now being verbalized to Jesus in the boat. They were on the dock going, I'm not, I'm not sure he knows what he's doing. I don't know if he cares about, like, we're going to be seriously at risk if we go out there. And now, their worst nightmare is coming true. But I want you to see in the midst of their worst nightmare coming true, maybe the worst nightmare that you've experienced coming true in your life, who's there with them? They go to him. They say, well, do you care if we drown? Now notice, it's not a cry for help. It's not a request. They're not asking for anything. All they're doing is giving a backhanded, frustrated, halfway sarcastic comment to the creator of the universe who they've seen heal people, who they've seen uh, do miraculous things, who they've seen cast out demons, and they go, don't you care if we drown? Now again, are the disciples in the storm because of disobedience or obedience? Obedience. Because Jesus, they're doing what Jesus told them to do. But here in the midst of the storm, what, what ha what's happening to them is what has happened to some of you. There, there was no way that their know-how could get them out of this one. Some of you are good at that, right? Some of you have, like, and this is how Satan likes to work in our lives. He likes to get us in the middle of storms, and then you, like, because God has gifted you, and you have some wisdom, you have some expertise in your experience, and you're a sharp cookie. 
you work your way out of it. You either talk your way out of it or you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you work your way out of it. And so many of us have done that one too many times that the storm we're getting ready to go into next or the storm that's already in right now, we're thinking we can handle it and you can't. On behalf of God, you can't. And Jesus comes to them in this moment. In the midst of them asking one of the worst questions they could ask. He says, you're really asking me if I care? Do I care? Really? And man, we've been there. But what I need you to understand, it, like if you could put yourself in the mind of Christ in this moment. Like, I know we were uh, frustrated, worn out, burnt at both ends, Christ. But in a second here, just like understand, you have the God of the universe who is sleeping through the storm, which is amazing and ridiculous in, in a sense, which is saying to two sides of the coin, one, he's incredibly frustrated, and one, he's incredibly tired, but at the same time, he's incredibly fearless, which that's a great combination for a miracle. Exhaustion and a lack of fear. You can do some amazing things with those two ingredients. So they come to him in this moment, and they say, don't you care? If you put yourself in the mind of God, you understand how ironic this question is. Because it's as if Jesus was to look at these guys and go, listen, the whole reason I'm on earth is because I care. The whole reason I'm in your boat is because I care. The whole reason in a little while you're going to get to see me strung from the east to the west on the cross is because I care. And you're going to wake me up and that's the question that's going to come out of your mouth? Do I care? And man, we've, we've been there too. And if we're all honest, we've had those times in our life where it feels like Jesus is sleeping on us. He's not paying attention. I want you to see what he does next. Now, I'm going to take you to what he does next in the Gospel of Matthew. Because Mark conveniently leaves this out. Now, I don't know if it was Peter trying to play his hands close to the vest and leave this part out with Mark. I don't know. Matthew, uh, the Holy Spirit was like, listen, I'm going to make sure this gets in the Bible. Uh, Peter, if you're not going to tell it, I'm going to make sure Matthew understands it. I'm going to get somebody else to tell it. Listen to what Matthew says as he recounts this. And it's not in Mark, but Matthew picks up. So what Mark does is Mark, they wake Jesus up, and Jesus goes straight to the storm. Matthew doesn't play that easy. In Matthew's account... They wake Jesus up, and before Jesus rebukes the storm, he rebukes the disciples. Look what happens. The disciples went, and they woke him up. This is Matthew 8, 25 and 26. They woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, and he rebuked the winds and the waves. But here's what he did. He rebuked them first. And here's why. Jesus is 100% okay with you bringing your fears to him there is nowhere else that he would rather they go he doesn't want you to take your fears you know to, to the gossip table he doesn't want you to take your fears online he doesn't want you to take your fears to google he, he wants you to take your fears to some loved ones in your life yes but first and foremost he wants you to take your fears to him the problem is when we take our fears and we combine our fears with an accusation that we've been now forsaken by God he's going to get frustrated with us and so you can bring your fear but don't bring the accusation that you've been forsaken by God because that is false and so if we do that we can't expect Jesus to give us a little rebuke and to push back a little bit on that because that goes against his heart he's like no 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 that's the furthest thing from the truth that I don't care 
And I don't know what it is in your life, but I imagine there's something where you're questioning right now, Jesus, do you even care about this? Do you see this? Do you care? I want you to know that he does. And he's never going to stop. And he cares about that thing in your life, but more than he cares about that thing in your life, he cares about that thing in your, not, in your life not becoming your life and him staying your life. And that's why I believe he said what he said in 30, uh, Mark 4, 39. He got up <laughs> from his nap. He says he rebuked, now this is after he rebuked the disciples, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and completely became calm. So here you have this, this bluish black water finally becoming calm. This, this stuff had been pouring in over and over on this boat. And Jesus stands up in this moment and, and amidst the chaos and the confusion that's going on says, Quiet, be still. And that's what happens without the mommy. I should have known I couldn't get silence in this room, which is okay. I love it. It reminds me that generations are being changed. But what, what you need to understand here is it said the wind and the waves became still. Now, the wind, okay, yeah, that's fine. I get that. But the waves also stopped. If you know anything about the waves, you can't just say, wave, stop. You have to do miraculous things because even if the wind dies down, the waves are still reverberating off the shore and off the boat and they're all around through the ocean or through the sea. So he miraculously calms both. And that word there, if you're underlining stuff, when it says they died down and, came, and became completely calm, the same word that was describing it as a mega storm, the same word that was used for violent and furious is the same word that's dropped down a couple of verses later when it says completely calm, it became mega calm. So I want you to understand this. This God, who we love and who we serve, walks into a mega storm and, and sleeping halfway through a mega storm, gets woken up, and then leads to mega calm. That's the way it would have read if you were reading it in the original text. And the only thing that can make that happen is Jesus, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is the only one who can take a mega storm and turn it into mega calm. And then from there, in verse 40, he asks them a big question. He says, why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, I think sometimes in the midst of our own fear and anxiety, and when we do things that we feel like shows a lack of faith in our own life, I think we can see Jesus coming to us kind of with this scowl and this finger and going, why don't you have more faith? Why don't you just believe harder? But I need you to understand the contrast that's on display in this. The disciples come to Jesus, and they are freaking out, and they're screaming at, you, at him, don't you care if we die? And Jesus stands up, and in a loud and proclamation way says, peace. Be still. He calms everything around. And then in the opposite way at which the frustrated disciples come to him, he goes to them. And I, and I picture him taking a knee, looking, looking them in the eye in the boat with a hand just kind of rested on one side of the wooden hole. And he says, why are you so afraid? Why don't, why don't you believe, God? 
haven't you seen what I've done? Haven't I shown you that I care? And I think sometimes we need to see eye to eye with that Jesus more than we see this angry Jesus who looks at us like an angry parent used to come down on us when we did something wrong or a coach who we had to try to perform and live up to. Like, that's not who he is. Even when we show a lack of faith, he looks at us and goes, it frustrates me. But I'm not angry. And I think, as we think about how they should have came, because we, we saw what they did wrong. And again, that's what I love about Scripture. I love about the disciples is we don't just get to learn about what they do right because they didn't do a whole lot. But we get to learn from their mistakes. And so the question that I've asked my little boys when I read them the story, and I'll ask you, is, is how should they have came to Jesus? Because the answer wasn't, well, you know, uh, guys, should we, should we lick him up? Like, I mean, he is kind of the king of the universe, and like, I mean, he kind of healed people. And he, I'm like, I mean, he's a carpenter. Yeah, he's a carpenter, but like... I don't know, like, we're kind of going down here. Like, Peter's backed out, like, James is there, Barnabas, I mean, I mean, it's, it's getting rough out here, guys. They didn't do that. Like, they woke him up, and I think the right thing to do was to wake him up. But don't accuse the king of the universe for not loving you and caring for you and, and, and going to just say, okay, whatever, guys, y'all just die. I'm going to chill on my pillow. A better response, and our better response, because we've had all had those times where we go, Jesus... Don't you care that I'm out here dying? I'm dying under the weight of parenting. I'm dying under debt. I'm dying, literally, with my health. I'm, I'm, cancer is killing me. Jesus, don't you care? And there are a few key words that if they had inserted into their story, it would have made a world of difference. And instead of fear leading and driving what they did, faith would have been driving and leading what they did. And there are words like this. Hey, Jesus, if you don't stop this storm, we're going to die. Jesus, unless, that's one of the other key words, unless you do something, we're going to die. Jesus, unless you stop this storm, unless you calm this thing down, we are going to die. Unless you do what we know that you actually can do, we've seen you do it, we've seen you have a track record of healing people, unless you do what only you can do, Jesus, we're going down. That's Daniel 3, this story it's an amazing contrast to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. If you think about that story, the type of faith that we see displayed in those three guys is the faith that should have been displayed in the disciples. What did they say? They said, listen, we believe our God will save us if you throw us in the fire. But even if he doesn't, we will still believe. And see, that's the faith. God says, like, come to me with that faith, and you'll make it to the other side. Like we're going to make it to the other side. And so what we see in here is primarily four responses to the fear that we have about storms. You can, you can respond four different ways. When we find ourselves in the storms, we find ourselves just wanting to get to the other side of something. First way is fight. I'm going to fight this storm. I'm going to try to fight this off. I'm going to row, row, row my boat all the way to the other side. Some of you have done that. And that's why you feel like you're drowning right now. Because you can't. The second way flight. Say, this is hard. I'm leaving. This marriage is hard. I want out. This volunteering thing is hard. I want to go to a new place. This, this tithing thing is difficult, you know. I'd rather buy other things. I want a boat. It gets hard, and, and so when we, when we feel the stress, or maybe a storm happens, or things that aren't expected to happen, we say, well, I'm out. 
And both fear and flight are motivated by the same thing. Or both uh, fight and flight are motivated by the same thing. They're motivated by fear. And then the fear of the storm, the stress that comes with it. The third thing, it makes us freeze up. And those of us who have been in church longer, this actually is the one you're most susceptible to. Because what you do is this. You say, well, my Jesus, he didn't do nothing in the storm. So I'm not going to do nothing in this storm. I'm just going to free. I'm, I, hey, I'm going to be still and wait upon the Lord. I know that my neighbor, that I can tell there's some crazy stuff going on in their home. But until Jesus plops down out of heaven and sits at my coffee table and tells me what to do, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to completely ignore his general will that's all throughout the Bible that says I should go and make disciples and love my neighbor as I love myself. But I'm just going to wait for him to drop something on me. I'm going to freeze up because I'm kind of intimidated about going to talk to them because I heard them listen to ACDC in their garage while they were working out. So I'm not going to go over there and do those things because that, that is a little bit scary. And so we just freeze. But that's not the right response either. If the disciples had just froze up, I don't know what happens. I mean, you, you play that any of that story out. And the fourth response, the right response, is faith. Faith that says, Jesus, the only way we're getting out of this is by you. The only way I'm getting out of this is you. Faith that says, Jesus, I'm scared to talk to them. I'm scared to invite them to church. I'm scared to have that conversation. I'm scared to confess to my wife that I'm struggling with lust. I'm scared to do all these things, Jesus. But you told me to be able to go through a storm was knowing that you would be there with me. And if I ever want to get to the other side, I've got to do things your way, and I've got to approach you in faith. And what I think is amazing in this, and this is verse 40. He says, why are you so afraid? And he walks him through that. And then in verse 41, look what he says in 41. He tells him that. He looks him in the eye and, and he stops the storm. And he says, they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Now, what's, what's, what I need you to understand here. They say, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want you to understand this. And for some of you, this is where you're at. Jesus in that moment was still a stranger to them. They were better, better able to handle the possibility of death than to handle the possibility that the presence of God was in their boat. They, 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 like, they were okay with more of, hey, we're going to die? They could get their minds around, I'm going to die. What they couldn't get their mind around was God's in my boat. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm asking you to do this, this morning. It's ask that same very question. That same question that says, who is this? For those of you, if you're watching this online and you don't have faith in Christ, like that's the doorway question into faith in him. To say, who is this? And as I close here, that's what I want you to understand. Who this is. This God who can take us and get us to the other side. He's the same God who stepped down out of existence, who went from the other side of divinity into humanity, who stepped into a completely different eternal realm from heaven to earth he went to that side and then was born on the wrong side of the track in Nazareth and then was born outside of what a human being should be born in in a manger and then he lived his whole life as an outsider and then being treated like someone who would be an outcast a rebel a murderer and a thief he went to a cross 
And then after he came off of the cross, they went and they put him inside of a borrowed tomb. And inside that tomb, they rolled back a giant stone, put two soldiers at the outside of it, and they said, we're going to do everything we can to keep you on the other side of a stone because we want God dead. And for three days, Satan had the best time of his life. Because for three days, it looked like we and God himself were never getting to the other side. But I am here today, and I'm here to proclaim that because Jesus made it to the other side of the stone, you can make it through the other side of a storm. That's the message of the gospel. If he can get on the other side of that, whatever it is that you're facing, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's depression, whether it's the ability to be able to make things work or to be able to surrender the control, whatever it is, he says, the victory on the cross is a victory for you right now where you're at. If you're watching this or you're in this room and you've never experienced that and, and, and you're saying, if my life were to end today, what side of this would I end up on? Would I be in the heaven side or the hell side? There is only way, friend. There's only one way. And it's through the love of Christ to find yourself on the right side of eternity in heaven with a father who loves you gave his life for you if you're watching this online there's a link there if you want to give your heart to him i pray you click on that i'm going to be down here up front afterwards if you want to give your heart and put your life and your trust and your hope in jesus and get baptized and go down under the side of water and come up on the other side of the water a new creation we'll do that i pray that you surrender to what he's doing as we get ready to wrap up today i pray you take communion if you miss getting it, you can go back there in the back and grab one of those. If you're watching at home, you go grab this for you and your family. This, this is a representation of the truth that the love of God may lead you directly into a storm. If he did not keep Jesus from the cross... Who's to say he won't keep us from a storm? But even more than that, he's with us. And this, this weekly reminder is that reminder that he's with me in the midst of my storm. And I can get to the other side because he made it to the other side. And today as I sit in 2020, in the month of September, this is that reminder. That he's still with me. He's still in my boat. i got to stay in it. I can't jump ship. But he's with me in it. I invite you now, right where you're at, to meet with him, to commune with him, whether you're here in person or you're online, to just take a second and thank him for how he's been a life preserver for you, how he is taking you through the storms that you're in. Take some time and be with him.
boat, Jesus. Thank you for being in the boat with us. Thank you for, for getting us to the other side, that the promise of our lives washing up on the golden shores of eternity with you in heaven, with our maker, that that's our promise, God. And so today, as we get ready to stand and proclaim, God, we may be in the middle, in the midst of a storm, but I pray that we can praise you. Know that our melody, that us raising our voices, that this is how we make war, that this is how we fight battles, that this is how we keep our feet planted on the firm and solid ground that will not shake when the wind and the waves come. Our house, God, this house is built upon the rock of your love. And I pray, Jesus, as we worship you in spirit and truth today, that it reigns truer now than ever before. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let's worship, church.